0: You know, the crazy train is so much fun to listen to, but it's not real fun to ride. When somebody is driving you crazy, when circumstances are driving you crazy, it's just really, really difficult to enjoy the ride. So let's talk about buttons today. Who it is that pushes your buttons? First, I think we need to to know some lessons that are almost self-evident. Number one, it is fun to push other people's buttons. Isn't it? Because you have control over them. So early on in life, you learned that even though your brother, your older brother or sister could always beat you at sports or whatever it was, you learned there was that thing you could do to irritate them, thing you could do to bother them, get this big reaction out of them. You had power over them by pushing their button. And you kind of enjoyed it. And then you thought maybe you matured out of that until you went to Thanksgiving last year. And you find out that 47-year-old and 50-year-old men are still trying to push each other's buttons. One-upping each other, harassing each other, bringing up that story, bringing up that embarrassing thing. We learned how to push the buttons of our parents. We learned we could triangulate between mom and dad to get them so fighting we could like kind of sneak off and do our own thing. It is fun to push other people's buttons you realize you have power over somebody. You can make them do stuff. It feels kind of fun. And your kids have nothing better to do all day long than learn how to find your buttons and push them, push them, push them, push them, push them like the elevator button. Now, when our buttons get pushed, not quite so fun. And we often don't think about our buttons when they get pushed. We think of the button pusher. It's because of my circumstance. It's because the timing isn't going the way I hoped. It's because the situation isn't what I planned. It's because of my mom. She's just so crazy. It's because my daughter is so selfish. It's because my grandkids are so disrespectful. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be irritated. I wouldn't be so annoyed if they, the button pusher, changed. We think of the button pusher more than the button. And so they have all the power and they and that has all the control over how we react. So there was a physician, a scientist in the 1960's named Paul McLean. And Paul McLean had a a theory on how the brain works. He called it the triune brain. He basically divided the brain into three parts. This bottom part he called the reptile brain. This was like the reactive part of the brain. You had your power supply, it runs everything else, it's your equalizer. It's a thing that subconsciously handles your heart rate, your breathing rate, your reflexes. It's a thing that just kind of keeps things in the background moving well. Your heart, your lungs, your breathing, your sleeping. Now, in one sense, it's subconscious. Except that what happens on the second layer and the third layer can start getting you anxious. Your heart rate's going. You you feel like you're under attack. And so suddenly it equalizes a little bit differently. You're breathing a little bit more, not taking as much breath. So though this is a subconscious level, it affects the whole body. How it equalizes and how it's powered. In his theory of the triune brain, the second layer here in the second shelf is what he called the, the emotional part of the brain. And much of that is so good, the emotions we experience, how we process things. But part of how we process things in our emotion is that sometimes we can tune into the wrong station. We can interpret things the wrong way. Other times, somebody comes along and they're pushing our buttons and and pushing things, it's driving us crazy. We just stop touching that, stop touching that. What we don't realize is they're not just pushing buttons, they're playing old tapes. And there are certain tapes that have been playing in the background of our heart, background of our mind for so long, we don't even recognize that they're tapes. We just think it's normal. And that emotional part of your brain includes the hippocampus. It triggers your fight-and-flight response. Particularly when stress comes your way, you'll often be playing old tapes, or like I had growing up, a reel-to-reel player. You might have some real old tapes that are playing that go back even into your childhood that you don't even realize are affecting a simple conversation with your spouse, your kids, or your boss. He then talked about a third layer, what he called the rational brain. And he said, it is possible to, while all three are important, you can think about how you're feeling, think about how you're processing, and you can actually form new grooves. And literally, they've seen that brains can change the actual physical architecture of the brain. will have different grooves in it by thinking differently about different circumstances. Isn't that fascinating? It's not just psychology, it's actually anatomy. The, 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 the topography of the brain changes simply by what we listen to. And when we listen and meditate and think on certain truths, it helps regulate our emotions, our fight-or-flight response, which helps us also set up a better balanced breathing, sleeping, and understanding of what mode we're in. So we want to use that kind of as a metaphor for how we process and control the people and things that push our buttons. Because I want to propose to you that I can't stop people from pushing my buttons. You probably can't stop people from pushing yours. Times, circumstances are not going to go the way you want. You're like, well, you stop touching that? That's not supposed to go that way. You're probably going to go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and the same annoying people are going to do the same annoying things. The same irritating people you're hoping for the best are probably going to do irritating things. I can't stop people from pushing my buttons, but I can control what tunes those buttons play? What am I going to play in the background that will help me process those annoyances or those difficulties in a way that lets me control my reactions and choose joy versus irritation or anxiety or worry? So let's look at three buttons today in order to do that. The first quest you need to go on when you just find yourself being reacting in some way, and that could be stress, could be emotion, whatever it is, is you've got to figure out The why behind the who. Figure out the why behind the who. Because again, I think our instinct is to say, why are you so irritated? Cause of them, cause of he, cause of her, cause of it, cause of that. But isn't it true that like you and your brothers and sisters can be home for the holidays? And mom and dad got the same idiosyncrasies they've ever had. They always kind of argue and they got this kind of weird dance they do. Why does it drive your sister crazy? And you're like, eh, it's just mom and dad. So it can't just be a who because the same who somebody's buttons goes wild and somebody else's buttons like ah eh, you know what they're just human See it can't just be a who there's got to be a why why does that particular person and that particular thing and that particular action drive you so crazy And if you can figure that out it's no longer them having control of how you react or it having control of how you react it's you learning what buttons and what tunes are playing There's a guy named Paul, and he's writing to a group of of new Christians in a little place called Philippi. And if you ask them, who's on the crazy train? Who's driving you crazy? They would have said, oh my goodness, Judea and Syntac. If you ask Judea, who who pushes your button? Syntac, she drives me crazy. If you ask Syntac, who drives you crazy? Judea! It's so bad that they get left in the Bible because of how crazy they are. Now, wouldn't this be bad? Imagine I'm writing a little letter, you know what, dear church and Horizon, got to mention that so-and-so and 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 so-and-so, they really are acting crazy. Please help them out. And everybody for all time is going to read that book. Now that's embarrassing. Here's what it says. Paul's writing, he says, I implore Judea and I implore Syntac to be of the same mind. He encouraged them, despite this division, despite this way they're driving each other crazy, I want you to think a certain way. I want you to meditate on new grooves that even though you disagree with each other, even though idiosyncrasies drive you crazy, I want you to think of the same mind about certain truths. What are those? Because they've been rehearsing all the ways they drive each other crazy. He says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women. He's like, you know, guys, sometimes when there's a battle, sometimes there's a fight, sometimes a misunderstanding, it takes other people, friends, family members to come alongside and kind of help. Let's help each other in this. That's kind of what he's saying. Help these women who labored with me in the gospel. He's saying, these are good women. And and yeah, they got some things that drive maybe even him crazy. But I want you to see them as part of the family. And they helped me in the gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the main message of the Bible. And here's what the main message of the Bible says. We all got a lot of dysfunction. We all got a lot of broken, messed up parts of us. And God didn't say, they're crazy, I'm not getting on the crazy train. God got on the crazy train, came to earth, and he loved and died for people who are broken and crazy with idiosyncrasies. And so these women helped other people learn that there's a God who loves people who don't always act the same the right way. He says, I want you to remind yourself that whoever is driving you crazy, God loves them too, the same way he loves you. Remind yourself that that God accepted you when you had your kind of dumb, stupid, idiotic things you do, and I want you to do love other people who dumb, stupid, idiotic things. That's the gospel. With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life, which is his way of saying, guys, we're all going to be in heaven together. That's a long time. That's a big, long family reunion. And at that point, God's going to get rid of all the things that irritate us. But until then, let's remind ourselves to act like family. So, I think often, when we come across a circumstance, we don't realize there's tunes playing in the background. So, for example, when a situation's not going the way you want, what you may not realize is it's a disappointment, it's a bad timing, something that's happened the way you hoped for. But the minute that happens, the minute that thing doesn't go the way you hoped, or the person doesn't do what you think they should do, you've got this this LP playing in the background, under pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> and it takes an already bad thing and magnifies it and magnifies it and magnifies it. And, and if you say instead of having the appropriate level of stress to that situation, I've got enormous stress because you grew up in a family that had a lot of anxiety. Whenever things didn't go according to plan, because they were perfectionists or control freaks, there was always under pressure playing in the background. And when somebody comes to talk to you, like Yudi or Syntech, you get immediately upset because it's just one more thing to, to add to your day, one more pressure, one more stress. And often, maybe between Syntech and UDIA, you think you're hearing someone when you're really interpreting someone through your tunes. Somebody's just trying to suggest an idea, it's different from yours, you say, Why are you pressuring me? I, I don't think I'm pressuring, I'm just sharing an idea. No, you are, you're pressuring me. I, I don't feel like I am, I'm not intending to. But if you're playing the album under pressure, suddenly everything gets interpreted through that. And when you find that there's a, a large amount of emotion that maybe is disproportionate to the situation, don't tell anybody else. No one else wants to hear you tell them it's, it's inappropriate. But when you notice in yourself that your emotional level seems higher than maybe the situation called for, it's time to ask a question. When things get hysterical, it's often historical there's usually something playing in the background. Maybe it's not under pressure. Maybe for you, it's Charlie Brown. Why is everybody always picking on me? If you're playing in the background, why is everybody always picking on me? Life's out to get me. God's out to get me. And all of a sudden, instead of just a bad situation, bad timing, doesn't happen the way I want, you you, you personalize it. And that tune in the background, that historic tune, is making it so much worse because you got the situation that's kind of annoying, and now you have the tune of, why is everybody always picking on me? helps you catastrophize and personalize. Or maybe the historic song that that gets played when you're emotional campus kicks in is, all by myself. I'm the only one that cares about this house. I'm the only one that cleans this house. Do your kids come in from school and they dump their stuff all over the place? And they do that, and you could say to yourself, hey, my kids are mature. Kids do that. They need some discipline. They need." But immediately you feel defensive. This is against me. You know, what? All by myself. I'm the only one that cleans. I'm the only one that does this around here. I'm the only one that cares. And you don't think you're interpreting. You're just hearing. It's clearly they're being disrespectful. Well, it could be that you have a tune playing. Now still they need to pick up their stuff, still they need to respect what's going on, but maybe the emotion that's come to the, the, the page is because something's playing all by myself. Or you come home from work and you want to be appreciated for everything you do and how much time you put in this week. You come home, nobody really mentions how much you did. Nobody really thanks you for what you did. Nobody's really responding. All by myself. I do everything around here. I give, 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 and everybody just takes, takes, takes. Right? and this tune playing in the background will help you figure out why the who and the button that's being pushed reacts. Or again, maybe it's with your kids. Your kids disobey. Your kids say something stupid. Your kids speak up or talk back. And immediately what you don't realize is the minute that plays, you get all upset. You get all angry. You get all disrespected. Don't talk to me like that. Because in the background, you're playing R-E-S-P-E-C-T. My kids are doing this because they're trying to poke the bear. My kids are doing this because they, they, they don't respect me and i got to talk down to them the way my dad talked down to me. <laughs> okay. But what if every time your kids were disrespectful or used the wrong tone, instead of playing RESPECT, you played teach your children well. What if the music you heard is, you know what, that's what kids do. Kids push boundaries. K- kids use the wrong tone. So instead of RESPCT, you just say, teach your children well. Hey, guys, I appreciate you disagree with Dad, but here's how you disagree respectfully. Do you see how that tune would change the dynamic? So figure out the why behind the who. Secondly, as brain science shows, you can play new grooves on that rational side over old tapes. Now, you've got to identify those old tapes, then you gotta find new grooves that are, can be recorded over those old tapes. But you can actually play new grooves over old tapes. So Paul's writing and he says, Here's what I want you to do. And he's talking to everybody, not just those two couples. He goes, When you encounter tough stuff, and, and they're going through some tough stuff, I want you to learn how to rejoice yourself. You ever thought about the word rejoice? It's to rejoice yourself. Rejoice yourself always. Not when things are going well, not when things are going according to plan. Rejoice always. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, again, I'm saying it. It's possible. Rejoice. I want your gentleness to be known to all men. What if they're cruel? I want you to be gentle. What if they're mean? I'd like you to be kind. How am I going to do that? I want you to play a tape that says, the Lord is at hand. God is with me. God has given me the strength to be more patient than I want to. God, I need your resources to be more kind than I want to. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Easy for you to say, God. You don't know what I'm going through. Look what he says. Be anxious for nothing. That's the old tape. I am anxious. I am worried. But in everything, play a new groove. The moment you're, that button's pushed to worry or be anxious, through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, instead of meditating on what you don't have, begin to thank God for what you do have. Thank for what he has done right in your life. How much better would the groove of thankfulness and gratefulness and God, I need some help down here, just make you endure life better than anxiety and worry and control? Let your requests be known to God. So think of it like this You decide, whatever album you have, I'm going to choose joy regardless of how my aunt acts, how my mom acts, how my daughter behaves. Despite how cruel they are, what I'm going to play is I'm going to be kind. And gentle, firm boundaries, despite how people behave to me this Thanksgiving. The moment I start to worry, I'm gonna remind myself God is with me, feels out of control, but I'm gonna remind myself I'm in God's hands. Do you see how those grooves would help replace some old tapes? For many of us, when we pull up those albums, we say, I've been listening to Simon and Garfunkel's I Am A Rock. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel like there's no one to help me. I feel like no one understands. And we need to put on the album a little help for my friends. I'm not alone. That's why at our church, you know, we have community groups and ways to connect with one another and say, I need some help. I need some perspective. My kids are driving me crazy. This person's driving me crazy. Could you help me see if I'm being objective here? Or, as Paul said earlier, you know, it's not just that. What are some other ways that we could do that? Maybe instead of playing Under Pressure, I'm going to replace it with an album of Say a Little Prayer for You or Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Paul goes on in this passage and he says, When you begin to switch those new grooves to replace old tapes, the peace of God will reign in you and it will guard your heart. Do you remember those old telephone uh, switchboards? Where, where this call would come in here and it would be directed to the spot underneath, but the, but the person could actually redirect this call to this spot. The same thing, you can make it so when somebody pushes that button, they've been pushing for 20 years, instead of going directly to your typical reaction, it's going to play, <coughs> living on a prayer. It's going to play, <coughs> I'm going to be kind to them even they haven't been kind to me. You can redirect your switchboard with new thoughts. That's why Paul goes on to say, the peace of God will reign in you. When you replace those old tapes with new thoughts, it will guard your heart and guard your mind through Christ Jesus. Well, that's what I want. I'd I like some, some guarding going on, right? I was talking to a couple of folks in our small group, and first, with a group of women in our church, and the one woman was saying how much she is just worried. Her constant background, her, her mom worried, her grandma worried, she's a worrier. She got into a Bible state horizon. And just slowly began to recognize, buttons pushed, I'm worrying again. She began to re switch the switchboard over some old tapes, taking it to prayer and God, God, I need you to take care of this. God, this worrying isn't doing anything, all it's doing is changing the equilibrium of my reptile layer. You know, it's not making me healthier, it's giving me ulcers. And she talked about how over time, it was about a year, she really learned to replay the grooves. Of God is with me. God is in control. I'm going to trust him for the future. And things got better. I had another friend who goes to our church, and he uh, was talking about Thanksgiving and how, what his mom said. She always bring up politics, and he'd get mad, and she'd get mad, and they'd be all over each other, and everybody else felt awkward. I said, well, why do you think that every time she brings up that topic, you have to rebuttal? Because what she's saying is wrong. It's propaganda. Okay, so your mom brings up a topic, right? She's listening to CNN or Fox News. Doesn't matter, either way. And when she hits that button of that conversation, you're playing, I gotta fight for my right. Maybe not to party, but I gotta fight for my right to be right. I can let you know how wrong you are, and that source of information is so way off base. What if instead of playing, I gotta fight for my right, Next time your mom hits that button, and you guys have had the same conversation, everybody's listened to the same talk for 20 years over dinner table, what if you play Billy Joel? I might be right. You might be right. I may be crazy. Well, I'm not. What if you brought a little humility to bear? I said, next time your mom brings something up, I just want you to answer with one sound. Huh. I haven't heard that. I don't think I can get to the second part. We'll just start with, huh. <laughs> so, sure enough, he called me a, about a month later. He's like, I did it. She brought up some, and I went, huh. And our dynamic is a little different. Next time, I tried to listen a little bit more. Still think she's wrong, but the dynamic changed. The level of anxiety went down simply by changing the tape. What are the albums you need to swap? What are the new grooves that you need to play over those old tapes? Third, Paul's going to go on to say the only way this works is when you make those new grooves like an earworm. You know what an earworm is? It's that song that's stuck in your head all day long. goes over and over and over. I was a video editor, still am. And (laughs) when I be in my office video editing, you're trying to edit to the beat. So whoever's in the office next to you or the cubicle next to you drives them Crazy. Because whatever song you're doing, you're trying to edit a particular video piece to a particular beat of the song, and you're going over and over and over. Under pressure, under pressure, under pressure, under pressure, under pressure, cut. Under pressure, pressure, under pressure, cut, cut, cut. Under pressure, under pressure. And you're putting these pieces of video on top of each other. Whoever's next to you, all they hear for like two days of editing is, under pressure, under pressure, under pressure, under Oh! It's an earworm, but not in a good way. Paul's going to want to say, when you find certain truths he has from the Bible, certain truths from God, Those truths, when you begin to play them, it will help you recognize the old tapes you're playing. Then you can record the new grooves on top of the old tapes, and it will actually help you regulate the unconscious part of what's going on in your mind. How do we find our old tapes, make new grooves, and make them an earworm that stays with us throughout the day, throughout the week, and throughout the month? And after 30 days, scientists tell us that you will actually form new grooves in the architecture of your brain. Here's how Paul says it. He uses the word whatever many times. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, I want you to meditate on these things round and around. The tendency is to think about negative things. The tendency is to think about things that are not good and things that are, that are not going the right way and things that, 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 that are just to complain about and be ungrateful for and be discontent with. It's so easy to meditate on everything but that. He says, I want you to begin to make an earworm out of being grateful and being thankful. And meditating things that are good and have a good report. Doesn't mean you have to ignore the other ones, but I want you to, in general, be playing around in your head the good things. And it can change your entire life. Let me tell you a conversation I had with a friend of mine. As I mentioned, the last five years, I am pretty good at taking thoughts captive, and I'm pretty good at renewing my mind with new grooves. But the last five years was a level of stress, the last 14 years with my son with autism was a level of stress I just wasn't equipped for. And it was like, you know, button here, button here, button here. It's, it's 2 o'clock, it's 3 o'clock. Oh, we well, think that's going to work. What about this? It was just constant buttons, danger. And my fight or flight was all, always on, always on. What's going to happen? Is his life in danger? What's going to happen? What's going to blow up in the next hour? Because of that, all of my equilibrium, my breathing, my sleeping, everything was messed up because my fight or flight was in constant fight or constant flight. My circumstance got all my subconscious equilibrium messed up. And I was constantly in my emotional part, my hippocampus was reacting in such a way to saying, fight or flight, you got to fight or you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it if this goes on much longer. And I'd set arbitrary deadlines about how much longer I could make it. Here's how I likened it. Here's what it felt like listening to the music during those years. It felt like I said, why don't you hop in a car? We're going to go on a cross-country journey to California. And just as you get in the car, I lock you in. I say, enjoy your ride. By the way, there's two wasps in the car. And one's on the dashboard. And you can see one wasp, but you don't know where the other one is. Now, immediately, what does your body do? Your emotional part of your brain says, rationally, I need to protect myself from the wasp and the other. And all of a sudden, everything goes into fight or flight. In fact, in your your reptile part of the brain, it's going to start storing up food. You're going to be eating a whole bunch of carbohydrates, a whole bunch of stuff. you got to eat, eat, eat because you got to protect. You're in danger. You don't know what next time you're going to eat. Your sleep gets messed up. You're in fight or flight, everything. Somebody's out to get me. Somebody's out to fight me. And it took a lot of time for me to learn what are the thoughts. One of my tapes, for example, was it's all up to me that I had to change. And I had to start playing like an earworm. God is in control. I'm in God's hands. I also had to learn some techniques to get my equilibrium back up. How to breathe. If you ever heard the breathing, you, you, br- you breathe out for four seconds. Hold for four seconds. Breathe out for four seconds. Hold. It's a way that your conscience, rational brain can put your equilibrium back in place. And that subconscious part starts to react to what you're doing. I was talking to a buddy who's a business guy, and he was telling me, he said, you know, I've been incredibly successful. I've accomplished all the goals I've ever had in life. I said, well, that's pretty awesome. He said, but the tape that got me here is the tape that's got me... It's got me so that my marriage is in trouble, and just my happiness is in trouble. I said, what do you think that tape is? He goes, it's exactly what the tape is. The tape that got me here, that won't get me there, it's never enough. He said, i got to find a way to keep my ambition without having an insatiable appetite for success. So why do we need to meditate? Why does Paul say meditation is so important? It's because of our hippocampus. Remember I told you the hippocampus is what drives this m- emotional level? The hippocampus is like a hippo. Think of it like a hippo. So he occurs in this part of the brain, and the hippo has three roles, and all three of them are annoying and don't help us. Now they help us if we really need to fight or really need to fly, but then they often misinterpret things. So the, here's the first thing the hippocampus does. The hippo is like an emotional DJ for the tunes. Oh yeah! And he's an emotional DJ, so somebody says something, and he's twisting the tunes. But he may be playing the wrong background music. You think you're under attack, and somebody's being disrespectful, and they're not. But that emotional DJ is just rocking around, coming at you from the stacks of wax. It's W-A-X-X, Vince Fontaine. And so you have to realize that often the emotional part of your brain, though it can often be true, it can also play the wrong tunes that have you interpret things the wrong way. The second thing that your hippocampus can do is it's a very confused librarian. And because of that, this confused librarian can put the wrong conversation and the wrong action into the wrong cassette tape. And You say, I was trying to find Motley Crue and listen to some Dr. Feelgood, and I pulled up the Motley Crue cassette tape, and what I found in there was the Footloose soundtrack. And that your emotional hippocampus can actually say, you're under attack when you're really not. They're being disrespectful when you're really not. Uh, Things are totally out of control right now. When really it's kind of a reasonable timeline. So be careful your hippocampus, that emotional part of your brain that can serve you well, can also categorize things and confuse things. The third thing that the hippocampus does, it's a very big amplifier. It's an emotional amplifier. So you've already got a situation that you don't love and you don't like, and it's not great. But our hippo, in front of the big wall of speakers, magnifies, this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen, because that went wrong, everything's going wrong. Everything's pervasive, everything's personal, everything's permanent. It's never going to get better. No wonder you're in fight or flight. So what God is offering are some new grooves that can be played over those old tapes, To recognize when your body and your mind and your emotion are lying to you and when they're telling you the truth. And here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping you can find that I can't make people change their tune. I can't. You can't. But I can change my tune when they or it pushes my buttons. We can change. Freud believed that we basically were just a whole bunch of symptoms of of bad habits, and all you can do is manage the symptoms until you die. But the Bible says, no, you can change. You can make a change. You don't have to always react the way you always have react. You can grow. You can mature. And not just through chronological time you hope it's going to happen by seriously taking very close inventory to what you think, what you believe, what's playing in the background, and say, listen, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, they're probably not going to change unless they go through that process. I can't make people change their tune. But today's the day, I'm going to change my tune when they push my buttons.
1: One of the things that I've discovered in my life, one of the reasons I'm glad you're here exploring God, is because I've found that exactly that verse that Chad shared, that in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I can make those requests known to God. So maybe as we're looking forward to thanksgiving, maybe we just take a moment to pray right now. Because he can remind you in that moment, like you're thinking clearly right now what you want to do differently, how you want to think differently, the different tape you want to play. Maybe you even just take this moment to ask him that when you're in that moment later and you forget, he would remind you and put on that new tape. So let's just pray. Lord, we just want to take a quiet moment right now to take some of the things that have been resonating with our hearts over the last half hour, the song we just heard, this, this desire to change, but also to have the Really the courage and and the self-awareness to say, we need help, Lord. So just in this next moment of quiet, would you hear our hearts as we lift up to you the place we would love to have your help to make that change. Lord, I know one of them for me is to take out R-E-S-P-E-C-T and uh, to put in Teach Your Children Well. So I'm just asking that you would remind me of that in the moments today and the days ahead. Lord, that for each of us, you would just speak into our hearts, into our minds, The changes that you want to make to see us experience your blessing in our lives, Lord. We know that's only possible through Jesus Christ. And so it's in his name that we pray and give you thanks. Amen.